You're essentially uh, we, doing exactly what the solar business by taking people off the grid and privatizing their own production of electricity. You're just doing it with wastewater. Yeah. So what's interesting is that unlike the energy companies, water districts are not resisting it. They're like delighted, like great. Like, oh, you want to take your local Amazon warehouse off the grid? Great. Because they're in a situation where they're really dealing with water scarcity, overstressed infrastructure. I just saw a headline about some utility was unable to clean out some dioxane and that got into the water supply. Well, why did the dioxane get into the system? Why not just make that polluter do it offline and treat it properly? And that solves it for everybody. We can really get these uh, businesses off the grid. We're doing a private utility kick. And the good news is that the water industry is appreciative of that. They're happy to let us do that. The whole idea of decentralization is really taking off. First of all, in built up places like many metros in the US, where are you going to put the large plants? Self-contained water treatment is where it's at. All right. Well, welcome everyone. And, uh, Here's another briefing. We're going to dive into some really fascinating stuff. Water, the blue gold, Thursday, November 9th, and a couple weeks from Thanksgiving. Briefing number 236 in the series. So uh, first of all, a comment on the economy, because that's important for us um, middle-class investors. It's getting harder and harder to come by middle-class investments. Take, for example, the income needed to buy a house. But now takes $111,000 to afford a house, assuming the payment won't exceed 30% of the buyer's gross income, which I hope, certainly hope it wouldn't. But median household income is only $78,000, right? Which is 30% below that threshold. Now, just three years ago in 2020, you only needed 60,000. Think about that. We've gone from 60,000 to 111,000 to afford the same house. Now, what does it mean? Well, let's take a look here. Um, 85% rise in income in three years. The gap between median income and income needed to afford a house is 25% larger than it was in 2008. So what's the long-term plan here? Well, we know that um, large developers are getting into rental-only developments. I think that there's a plan to get us into rental-only developments, but here's the issue. Number one, um, there's been inflation of real estate values. Number two, interest rates have skyrocketed. Now, you know, an eight, eight, eight and a half percent mortgage is not uncommon. Um, I think that Ken got in, got purchased a an income pr- a property for like seven and a half percent mortgage um, uh, interest, which actually it still works for him because again, the rental market is, is actually growing. Um, and strangely enough, uh, the, the um, the rental market in the Tampa area is actually more expensive than the rental market in back in Los Angeles. That's the crazy part. Uh, a friend of mine looked it up and they, she looked at her old neighborhood. I think it was in Tarzana. <laughs> There's like, wow, Tampa is actually more expensive. So what you have is desirable places are very, have very high demand. That's great. But the rise in interest rates makes it harder and harder to, to, um, you know, get a home. But here's the most interesting part. In Florida, flood insurance is going crazy. And this is going to happen throughout um, the desirable coastal communities. I've heard a rumor that um, there are homes in Miami that are incurring $120,000 a year flood insurance bill per home. And, uh, you know, insurance companies are, they're the ones that really drive everything. Governments can be bought, but insurance companies 
they're stuck with paying the bill. So they're harder to uh, buy off. Uh, in my condo development, we we have a similar, we have a, I don't know, uh, for 2024, we had like a $220,000 increase. Well, no, sorry. The insurance is $220,000, but that's spread over 87 units. So it's doable. But um, with um, what's happening in the floodplains with um, individual homes, now only the rich will be able to do this. What this means, I think, is that um, it's going to slow the velocity of the real estate market, and it's going to turn into a renter's business, which is fine. Um, long story short, access to real estate as an investment for the middle class is dropping. Okay, let's uh, continue here. The Panama Canal, check this out. This is going to be, you're going to find this fascinating. The driest October since at least 1915 has left the Panama Canal with too little water to support the massive cargo ships that are critical for global trade. The Panama Canal Authority is again slashing the number of ships that can cross each day and reducing the weight they can carry. Typically, about 36 ships can pass per day, depending on weather and water levels. In November, just 25 approved ships will be allowed to pass through. Because El Nino typically causes drier conditions in the region, officials have plans to further reduce shipping transit in the coming months. The number of ships allowed through will continue to decline through February until just 18 are allowed passage each day. It's a major blow to the shipping industry, which uses the shortcut between the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans with the highest number of goods shipped between China, Japan, and the United States. The point is that we're starting to see these uh, knock-on effects from droughts. Last week, I, I talked about drought, the Mississippi being at a low level, and I promised that I would interview Tom Marchesello. That's actually been pushed off to next week. He's been doing some research into the corn and soybeans market because they rely on water in all kinds of phases, not just uh, for irrigation. So um, we'll be covering that. But here's what's going on is we have all kinds of areas that are suffering unexpected drought. You know how the Panama Canal works. I was a ship captain when I took a ship through the Panama Canal in 1976. <laughs> and the whole concept of the Panama Canal is that you, you have um, water constantly running into the canal from mountains. So it's, uh, it's it's a lossy type system. Huge amounts of water flow down into the Panama Canal. And these locks, the way they operate is the water just kind of rushes out, right? And it's managed by the locks. So there's a relatively little pumping going on because they're using gravity. Well, that means you got to have a lot of water coming in from the mountains. And when you lose that, then all of a sudden you got a problem. So, um, it was very interesting taking a ship through the Panama Canal. It took eight hours. It's huge, huge, huge public works. But it's sensitive to this kind of thing. So this, according to this, um, we have, you know, this um, now it's dropping to where there's only going to be 17 ships a month. That's ridiculous. You know what is going to happen? Ships are going to start going around Cape Horn again and around the Cape of Good Hope it's going to become more viable than trying to get through the Panama Canal. So interesting stuff. Uh, Gene Tully, showing your age, Riggs, the canal was just built. America's built the canal before I was born. Just want everybody to know that. 
All right. Um, and then I have another comment here. Uh, let me just expand the chat a little bit. Uh, from Keith, when I started working, anyone who made over 100K was super rich. And I need more than that to afford a house. Well, well, 100K is basically a million dollars. I mean, uh, when you started working, Keith, it was, well, it was about 12 years ago, right? <laughs> but um, when you started working, I think it was probably 10 to 1. The dollar was worth 10 times what it is today is my, my offhand guess. But it's dramatically going up, as you all know. Um, I go to Costco and week after week, like, oh my God, what just happened to that price, right? Just boop, popped up. Okay, let's continue. So that's yet another one of those markers, shall we say. The um, World Economic Forum in Davos in uh, 2022 actually met about water. And I'm going to play a little clip from their press conference. I, I think we can get some, some interesting um, conclusions out of this. Let's take a look. That's also, of course, true with COVID, right? We are all only as healthy as our neighbor is on our street, in our city, in our region, in our nation, and globally. And did we solve that? Like, did we actually manage to vaccinate everyone in the world? No. So highlighting water as a global commons and what it means to work together and see it both out of that kind of global commons perspective, but also the self-interest perspective, because it is it does have that parallel. It's not only important, but it's also important because we haven't managed <laughs> to solve those problems, with, which had similar attributes. And water is something that people understand. You know, climate change is a bit abstract. Some people understand it really well. Some understand it a bit. Some just don't understand it. Water, every kid knows how important it is to have water. When you're playing football and you're thirsty, you need water. So there's also something about really getting citizen engagement around this and really in some ways experimenting with this notion of the common good. Can we actually deliver this time in ways that we have failed miserably other times? And hopefully we won't keep failing on the other things, but anyway. Maybe just to add a further point on the costs of all of this. At first glance, it may sound like this is costly because you're going to have to raise a lot more money. The world will have to spend about $300 billion per year in order that low and middle income countries can solve this problem, that the technologies can be scaled up so that everyone has access to clean water and safe sanitation. That sounds like a lot of money. But we today waste far more than $300 billion. There's the economic cost of what's happening today is far more than $300 billion. The neglect of water costs far more than $300 billion. So all this is about governance systems. How do you value water? How do you stop the wastage? How do you improve farmers' incomes using drip irrigation and other techniques? It's actually about saving money. But you've got to mobilize resources in order to invest in the technologies in order to save money and allow people to have better livelihoods. I mean, just to give two examples, a very large amount of water globally is wasted every day in the way in which municipal authorities run water utilities. A phenomenal wastage of water because it's not being valued, priced or valued properly. Plus the systems of governance are not in place. As a result of a, another example, as a result of a lack of access to easily accessible water in villages across a large part of the developing world, women in sub-Saharan Africa, for instance, many other parts of the developing world as well, spend a few hours every day, a few hours every day, going out to get water or firewood. 
every day. If you can make it accessible, imagine what they can do with that time. So there's a huge loss of livelihoods that comes out of what's a very inefficient system of managing water. Stop the wastage, help people have a better livelihood quite apart from a better quality of life. So when we think of cost, yes, it'll cost something and the world has to pay for it, but we're actually going to gain a lot in economic terms, which means individual lives, communities' lives will be much better off. Net-net, we're going to be saving money. We're talking about a couple of different things. First of all, this gentleman is absolutely right that you know there is a tremendous um, disparity in access to water. He, you know, he talks about three different things. Um, we got to value water, put a value to it, don't waste it so much. The problem is, is that places where there's lots of water have a hard time getting it to places where there's not a lot of water, right? Because water is hard to transport economically. Um, secondly, he talked about reducing waste. And thirdly, he talked about educating farmers. That's all great. I think that that the problem really is, is that we know right now that the US, which is a developed country, never mind the people who have to walk 10 miles or or five kilometers to get water. That's a horrible thing. But you kind of, you kind of, we we all know that. That's a, yeah, we understand there's problems in Africa with wells and so forth. But um, what about the U.S.? Well, we are underfunding by a hundred billion dollars every single year. So the problem is much, much more widespread. And I think that there's going to be efforts to improve water access for um, the less wealthy populations, and that's a good thing. But Everyday populations in in our current culture here are having problems accessing water. They are themselves being locked out of water access. The water problem is not just in Africa. The water problem is just down the street right here in Pinellas County. So that's where we have to really think about or, or act on this, this way of enabling businesses to self-treat so that they can get, they can take care of their own dirty water and um, thereby free up the municipalities to do the right thing, to help the less fortunate and so forth. So in just about every country, there is wastage, as this gentleman pointed out. And most, most of that wastage comes from the biggest users, which are in industrial and agriculture. So if we can fix that, then it's much, much easier to take care of the people. And they won't have to walk five kilometers. Or in America, they won't have to lose their access to water because they didn't pay the bill. All right, well, that's that's my little soapbox, shall we say. Let's take a look here. Now, earlier today, I teased everyone on this periodic water table. Well, there's actually somebody very smart uh, created something called the periodic table of asset classes. And um, <clears throat> I was very interested to see where water was in that table. Those who follow my uh, my Twitter account, Riggs Eck, saw me post about this. It's also on the Origin Clear Twitter account, but let's take a look anyway. I know Ashton Martin through my good friend, Alex Lightman, um, and uh, he posted this and he said, when science does investing, you get a periodic table of asset classes. The darker the color, the higher risk. And the more on the right the asset is, the less liquid it is. So let's take a look here. Here it is. Um, so what we, we have here is the far left, we have currency, which is the most liquid. And the far right, we have collectibles, which frankly are very illiquid. They're good for taxes mostly. Also, they're good for losing money, like the very bottom right, racehorses. Uh-huh. I know people who have 
you know, it's the best way to lose a fortune is to get in the um, horse race business. But anyway, then we go commodities and infrastructure and right there, water, number 86. Okay, so what does that say? That really says that um, it's high up on the chart, which means it's not so risky, but it's kind of far to the right, which means it's relatively liquid, but it's more liquid than those gold coins you have in your safe, right? Um, it's more liquid than crude oil, right? Um, safer than crude oil and energy. So, which is interesting because we we think of, of energy as a very uh, profitable business, but it actually, according to this, as an asset, is not that liquid. All right. Now, just to the left of it is real estate. Industrial at the top, going down and all the way down to raw land. I would think that commercial these days is much riskier due to the post-COVID problems of empty offices. But nonetheless, um, you can kind of see how this all works. Now, this is what I think we can do with water on demand. Take a look. Just uh, first of all, just to explain this to you from left to right, uh, most liquid, least liquid from top to bottom, least risk to most risk. Okay, so let's take a look. Here's the chart. We can, water on demand monetizes water so it ends up being more of a structured product. A mix of a structured product here we go, interest-linked products. And right there, you know, you, you, we might even push it more to the left because it's dividend-paying stocks. You know, in fact, I think it, that probably does fit there. So, but you see how we can push it over several columns, more liquid than real estate and roughly in the same risk column as res, res, you know, residential real estate. So remember, horizontal is a risk, vertical is liquidity, how liquid it is. So this is interesting. Um, so I think that when you think about it, it really is a revolution because what we're doing is redefining this asset called water. Fascinating thing. All right. I'm going to play a quick uh, podcast only because I keep pushing out these darn podcasts and they're good, you know? So here we go. Our water infrastructure is in deep trouble and it's being underlined by these little canary and coal mine events like Flint, Michigan and so forth. But there's much more happening that is just not being talked about. There's a real estate boom going on between in North Texas, between Dallas and the Oklahoma border. It's going so much faster than, than putting in utilities. They're not even trying. So here to me, the, the solution leapt out to the infrastructure problem, but also the opportunity, which is we're going to have to unburden the the grid. We're going to have to take businesses off the grid and make them do their own water treatment. It's called decentralized water. It's going to relieve the central grid because they're not getting the money anyway. And who's going to build a big sewage plant here in, in Pinellas County where it's already overbuilt? So not going to happen. So just relieve the burden. Make the industry and agriculture players do their own water treatment. And Bob's your uncle. Now, what's interesting is they like it. That's that's what I learned, and that's what's pr propelling the boom of our company today. Like we we get, let's say, a brewery is being forced to truck half its water to another county because the local utility won't take it, and so they're forced to do their own thing. But then they go, oh, this isn't bad because number one, I can control the water rates. Do you know that water and sewage rates are inflating at the same rate as college tuition? Which I did is not know that at all. No. The, the, the highest hospital services, next below that, 
is college tuition and water is right there with it. So it's hurting people, but it's also hurting businesses. And they're like, okay, so if I have a, if I do my own water treatment, then I can, I can control costs, right? Because on the water treatment side, I don't have to pay sewage rates. I just, I'm permitted to just, you know, dump it into the groundwater, which is perfectly good. And that way it recharges the aquifer. Everything's great. On the incoming water, since I'm able to recycle, I'm paying less incoming water fees as well for the potable water. And thirdly, there's less regulatory noise from the city. I'm on my own. It's great. So those three reasons are big drivers. And that's propelling that finally a change is starting to happen. You know, water companies generally grow at only like 10, 15% a year. We're growing 2x, 3x per year. We're doubling and tripling per year because of this wave. And large companies like PepsiCo has, has committed to 80% recycling of their water. Well, you can only recycle if you do it your own treatment. If you send it to the city, it's never coming back. So that's that's the breakthrough. And then we had that breakthrough coming into the COVID. And then COVID hit. And at the time, this is February 2020, we saw the first crash of the price of crude. And we're like, oh, there's a problem. Wuhan closed for a month. We got a problem. This is before the lockdowns. This is before the CARES Act, all this stuff. And we're like, this is going to be a real problem. And people are going to run out of money. And so we came up with the idea of uh, water as a service. Like, we'll install that system in your in, in your business. We'll continue to own that piece of equipment. We'll maintain it. And you just pay by the gallon. And that became water on demand. That was the last piece. So that's today what we have is decentralized water with these compact systems called modular water systems combined with the capital solutions. So it kind of works like GM and GM financial because we operate more in the mid band, you know, 500,000 to $2 million systems. They have to be standardized like hotcakes. They can't be this. We'll take, you know, two years to install your, your system BS that goes on, which means that we have a scalable business and we can wrap it up. So that's the exciting moment we're in right now. We're starting to move the needle. Yeah, that that's very a very niche, I would say as far as a business model goes. I don't know if you thought if you could, you know, go back in time, did you think you'd be working in something like this specific? At least I think it's it's very niche in terms of you know, it's something like like you you mentioned earlier, you just turn the faucet on the water comes on. Like I I don't think about it really probably on a day-to-day -day basis. It's something almost just take for granted the ability that that you have, you know, water that just works and I'm actually a little nervous to look up my zip code on there. Not that I like would think it has anything weird about it, but I live in downtown Rochester, Minnesota. I'm hopeful that we're we're pretty good. We're right next to Mayo Clinic. You know, we're treating people for 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 a variety of health conditions. Hopefully, we're doing a pretty good job. But yeah, Riggs, I think another another aspect that got me thinking about it is your your company is public, right? So you could you could invest in the company's stock. But are are Americans able to invest in water projects like this or are they able to can they invest directly in you know a type of water project is that possible sure well origin clear has been a, a small public company for 14 years now and it's listed you can invest in it great but in addition what you can do is you can become an investor in the in a in these bundles of water projects that we put together to make because if i make it free for the brewery owner well who pays for the machine right so what we did was we decided to emulate the oil well master limited partnership model, which regular investors can get uh, each of these MLPs is about 60 of them, $300 billion market 
it's not niche once it once it grows each they can invest directly in that and each one of those mlps is a basket of properties pipelines gas oil nicely diversified and they get royalties and that's a really good model so we decided to emulate that and so water on demand is that and you can invest in what we call water like an oil well and what's great about it is in addition to getting stock because we do that stock in the public company but in addition you have royalties and a lien uh, capability on the equipment to enforce your royalty which gives us makes it asset backed so that's a really interesting model people like it a lot you know it's interesting because early stage booms always start at a level that is like i remember in, in 1993 there were these weird internet utilities it was nothing much it was kind of like i think one one had a name of a of an animal i mean it was like these weird things it was not until Mark Andreessen's browser came along that it just kind of like blew up. Well, that's so it's very deceiving. You think that that this is nothing, but that's precisely when you want to look at it. If it's not too early, 10 years ago, it would have been too early, but now it's starting to ramp. Back in May, there was a first unicorn in a long time in the water industry, and they are doing this decentralized water treatment for large companies. They have Merck, they have all, you know, the big food and beverage companies and so forth. They're very prestigious. They manage, you know, they have fund money behind them. That's great. It's a good business. There's only so many of those, right? But there's many, many more of the middle class of water treatment, which is where we like to be. So that that's an indication that water tech is taking off. Now, the decentralization thing is interesting because anytime you have something goes from centralized to decentralized, you have a huge boom in the, the economy of that thing. For example, AT&T broke up and it resulted in all the bell, the baby bells and MCI and uh, VOIP and, the, and eventually the internet, all of it. it. And it all came out of this one just dislocation that occurred. When, they, when it's all monopolized and centralized, it doesn't move, it doesn't, it doesn't develop. P people like you and me don't get involved because it's a dull job. Well, I'm gonna go work for AT&T for 30 years, right? It's not not to denigrate AT&T they were they they delivered very good tech but the monopoly concept was was bad just as a monopoly concept is bad for water here's why in Ireland water is free for people for regular people why isn't it free here well because 90% of the use is by industry and agriculture we get those off the grid now we can start relieving the burden and servicing people properly i meant to ask you eric what is your zip code Five five nine zero four. All right, let's take, let's take a look at it. Yes, sir. Uh, there's a few subdivisions. Which do you know? Briarwood, Byron, Chester Heights. There's a bunch. Wow. Uh, Rochester. I'll take there. Rochester. It is. Yep. Rochester, right there. Yep. All right. So what I have nine contaminants detected, twenty total, but nine exceed the health guidelines. So what are they? Well, you've got bromodichloromethane, which is twelve times. Now the utility of course, is compliant, 0.725 parts per billion, but EWG has determined is 0.06 parts per billion. So that's 12 times. Haloacetic acid, 28 times. Another one is 94 times. So they exceed guidelines, right? Now, there's only nine out of 20 others that, that are fine. You know, toluene, fluoride, dioxane, they're good, right? That's the problem that we have. So these utilities will be able to focus on this more because they'll They'll be servicing the regular people. They'll be unburdened and water rates don't have to keep skyrocketing. There's a serious default rate by people not paying their water bills and being cut off. And now you got to go get your water in a bottle. It gets even worse, right? So 
this is to me a social justice thing. We've got to get industry off this central grid so it goes back to servicing the people. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, decentralization versus centralization. So that got me thinking, you know, in terms of maybe the blockchain or crypto and different ways that, you know, in the finance space and in the asset backed space, how we're kind of seeing that more and more and more. And you are actually like you're pioneering some water stable coins, are you not? In, in terms of being able to, to have an asset that is backed by water, is that, is that something that you're currently working on? Yes. Well, in 2018, when there was things were kind of wild and crazy, I pioneered something called WaterChain, which was a blockchain solution. <clears throat> the problem that we ran into was a very simple one, is that there's no standardized price for water. It varies widely depending on jurisdictions. So how do you get a market? And it wasn't until we developed Water on Demand where every single gallon is paid for on these, these, these operating contracts. You start multiplying those and then you clone Water on Demand to different regions. So you have a Water on Demand. We wouldn't do it, but we'd have a finance partner in Singapore, for example, do it for Singapore, et cetera, Singapore, Malaysia. And you start multiplying these Water on Demands. And now they're all equivalent because people are paying in the local currency roughly the same amount of money per gallon that they would elsewhere because it's the same base cost. It's no longer based on the scarcity of the resource, which is why Colorado River water you know, varies by 10,000%, depending where you get it from or, or whose rights you have. That goes away and you get a pretty level playing field. And you know, the problem, the reason why there's no international water market or even a national one is because of that problem. If I have a water problem in Northern California, I can't buy options on Singapore water. It's not a, I can't do it. I can't hedge my risk. But under this new model, we can. So that's where we're moving towards. What I felt was important to do was like, let's get our basic business going. Let's let's proliferate that. Blockchain can't operate in a vacuum. It's like, well, what are you blockchaining? <laughs> uh, well, I have a cool concept and everybody should like join it and and we'll do a we'll go to the moon and everybody gets screwed by like like Sam Bankman-Fried did. No, this is not. The new model is to create something that has solid backing, is asset-based. For example, we can take these dividend payments and tokenize them. That's a great idea. But for now, ACH is just fine. And here's a final issue with tokens is that the SEC doesn't like them. And I'm regularly going to the SEC to get registered for various offerings. And the last thing I need is then to go, what's this token you got? And are you marketing a security? And I was like, you know what? We're just going to hold off for now and there'll be plenty of time. So I think is there's a future in water stable coins. But as I say, job one is to establish the base business. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's probably a smart play to to be nice with the SEC as of right now with with all, all the touch points you have with them. But but Riggs, yeah, I think, I mean, this is all very interesting. I, I think that a lot of people listening probably are thinking like I am in terms of you're, you're clearly like disrupting something that is, you know, has been stagnant or has been steady for a period of time. And that's exciting for someone hearing that as either an entrepreneur or someone that's aspiring to maybe start a company of their own. Do you have like maybe a blanketed statement of advice for someone that wants to disrupt or is there a you know, is there something that, that a person could maybe look for if they're not certain of what area they want to disrupt in? You know, yours, obviously, yours, you shared your story with us and kind of how you got to where you are. So there's obviously some natural, you know, play to it. And there could be, you know, a combination of hard work and luck that leads you to an opportunity. But yeah, just, just kind of as a, as a general statement for someone that wants to disrupt, what, what would your advice be to that person? Well, I think where I've given myself a hard time with disruption is where I've gone in 
to a space without a thorough infiltrated knowledge of it. And I remember in, in the early 80s, I started a business in New York City uh, selling uh, business computers, first generation business computers. And when I, the first one I sold, I did not even know where the on switch was, right? I was like, how complicated could it be? And I found somebody who was interested in buying a computer. And I said, and they go, well, let's see how it works. I'm like, wait, where's, where's the, where's the <laughs> on switch? That's so awesome. I don't, I don't advise that, that, that caused me a lot of, I, I was then learning. I had 12 people on a New York city payroll, Manhattan payroll. It was royally painful. So I learned on the job, but it was, it was, it proved to be actually one of my toughest learning experiences. I, it was, I literally gave up on that business and handed it over to a guy who did a great job with it. But that was a learning experience. Like, okay, get some familiarity you got to have that. And that's the number one thing. Now, having done that does not mean you have to take a 20 year job with a fortune 500 corporation, you know, just get to know it, try to apprentice in some way, get up to speed and try things in a microcosm as a side gig or whatever, and then jump into it. At that point, I advise just go for it and do the rest of the learning in the pool. Yeah. And is that, would you say with, that was a example of the mistake-based marketing initially, like kind of that learning from that, that failure, so to speak, before, you know, you developed, you know, your skill set to, to be able to, to get to the next step. I mean, if you, if you didn't know where the on switch was that time, that certainly wasn't going to be probably a mistake that you were going to make again in the future. You were going to, you were going to have, have done your research, right? Is that, is that kind well, of mistake-based marketing is just conscious, consciously trying things out in the market and presumably, you know what the heck you're doing. The reason why I gave up on that business was, again, because of a lack of really being in the business deeply, because of what I didn't realize was I was creating first-time users, business users of computers, and it was incredibly tough, hard work, et cetera, not really profitable. But what I didn't realize is there was a life cycle of supporting these people for 20 years that is incredibly rich. And that's what my that my buddy, Juan, he took, took, took this over. And he made it that business. To this day, he has clients that I that we opened together in the 80s in New York City. That's an incredible amount of annuity. And that's what I didn't fully realize. So that's why it's so important to have, you know, really embed yourself in the industry. I think it's super important. Yeah. And building that skill set and, and probably finding out at the at the same time what is, you know, what is igniting you, what is what is fulfilling you or fueling your, you know, passion, so to speak, to to want to work more on those things. So Obviously, entrepreneurship has been a big piece of that for you for the extended period of time and, and leadership as well. And you mentioned pre-interview that, you know, you're getting ready to, to even start your own podcast. So that's extremely exciting and wish you the best of luck on that. And, and Riggs, as we, as we kind of close down, just one last question for you. Is there, is there a myth about entrepreneurship that you want to debunk on the podcast today? Something that, that maybe is widely believed to be true, but you have found out this is not the case and you want to make sure that people do not, you know, fall victim to that false belief. Well, I think the biggest myth out there that and it prevents people in corporate America from taking to making the jump even if they're frustrated and that is that it's the uncertainty, right? I was listening to an interview of Matt Taibbi on Joe Rogan and he said I'm being paid many times what I was paid at Rolling Stone. Many times because he's he's on Substack and it's got this great Substack did a great disruption of the publishing space. And so he's doing really, really well. So it's, it's, it is not impossible. I have a nephew who 
he cracked the code on Amazon selling. He, he's freaking brilliant. It's not something I would do because it's not what I am, but he did it. And it's, this stuff is doable. It, it's it's hard to find a, a niche and something you love and get some traction in it, but it's not as hard or as, or as risky as people think to develop the business and get into revenue. Very sound advice. Really appreciate hearing that. You kind of ignite my fire, so to speak, as we close this episode. And it just dawned on me how, how appropriate the name of the company is, Origin Clear. You're dealing with water. You're also extremely transparent and water is transparent. So it's, it's all coming together here at the end, Rig. So again, can't, you, can't thank you enough for being a guest on the podcast today. We'll look forward to keeping up with you in the future and, and best of luck with everything, sir. Eric, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it and keep up the good work, okay? Thank you, sir. You too. Some some interviewers just bring it out. I start I start rambling about my past, you know, as a ship captain. Lots of fun stuff. I'll continue this interview next week. And w- one of the things that that is really clear is that I was accustomed to, regardless of of how well I did it, I was really really involved in a lot of change happening in the nineties, uh, early two thousands in the tech industry. It's still changing rapidly, and. I fell into an industry where there was not a lot of change. It was very static. And going back to the periodic table of water asset, water is an asset, it's considered relatively illiquid and uh, relatively unrisky. And so we push it over into the more liquid category, make it, make it a tad more risky perhaps, but much more liquid. Well, that's a good thing. But think how long it took for us to get there. I mean, Ken and I, you know, we 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 have been working on this for a long time this new model, what on demand, and finally getting it with the help of our incredible investors, getting it to the point where we literally have packaged this to be a player on the NASDAQ, potentially, no guarantees, as always. Um, but this is the thing, right? This is ours to lose. And so we are you know, going to be a mid-market player in the water industry that has a transformative business model that enables investors to invest. I'm blown away. But anyway, that's, that's what came out of that particular um, interview. It was super cool. All right. Well, you know what's coming next? Oh, yeah, you know it. Here it is. The freewheeling discussion. No one escapes the freewheeling discussion. That's right. That's <laughs> exactly right. You know, it's funny because the, the background, you're not there and boop, you pop in. Our weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency. Ooh, I like right. I like <clears throat> Then Ken all washed out. I, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. So, um, you know, it's funny. I did the EWG.org thing. Oh. So it has 18 total contaminants, nine exceed EWG health guidelines. What's the zip? Uh, 15632. Let's take a look. All right. Westmoreland County. Let's take a look at 150,000 people. So... Nine exceed the guidelines. Here we go. So you're a blood God, 140 line. times. Oh my God. I didn't go down that far. Good Lord. I told you, stop. Stop 240 this. times the safe limit. It, what is halocetic acids? Well, here's the interesting part. There's no legal limit for chloroform or any of these. It has never been updated, right? A hollow acetic acids does have a legal limit of 60. Uh, this utility is at 24. EWG says, no, no, no. Current science is 0.1 parts per billion. Right. Which is 
uh, nitrates. Slightly it, less than what they have, right? Here's fun. Here, nitrates, right? I try to buy bacon that's not, it's got, doesn't have nitrates, but here it is in the water for God's sake, right? Right. So right. Uh, this utility is at 0.514, which is beautiful compared to the legal limit. But guess what? It's still 3.7 times worse. This is not like this is not worse than most communities, right? This is right. No. on par with most communities. Now, we do happen to have quite a bit of fracking mm-hmm. and natural gas uh, extraction in this region. Um, most of Murraysville on the eastern side of the town where I, I escaped from uh, is, is mined like crazy for coal, right? Um, and most of the homes today sit on mines. Uh, I moved out to where there's far less of that. But I, I think that probably, probably plays a big part. Dibro, dibroma chloromethane. That sounds good for you. Yeah. You put some of that on your on your on your tuna sandwich, right? It's a non-flammable compound. Well, that's good. It was formerly used as a flame retardant, which is probably how it got into the water table. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is, you know. <laughs> so and, so and, just and, drink a good glass of water before you have some Taco Bell. You'll be fine. Well, I, uh, I tell people, I I talk I, I, <laughs> like my kids order I go to the restaurants in Murraysville. Would you like water? I'm like, no. <laughs> and they look at me i'm like let me get uh bottled water or seltzer please you know um and and this is why right you know you don't want the kids even drinking the the tap from from the restaurant so yeah it's it's bad i tell you what on that podcast there was a lot of nuggets um that i think we should uh, extrapolate on you know and, and kind of magnify because it was a lot of, you know, you guys moved from from topic to topic pretty quick, but it was really uh, it was really good stuff. Well, what what I think is is really important is to think about, you know, if we're transforming water, we've had to do a very heavy lift to get it into a transformable mode. So now we're executing. I think we've pretty much locked the model. Um, it has not. Wow, Ken, it has not changed in like a couple of months. Crazy. We wow. have. The model. Yeah, now that I now that you said that, you're gonna go, Ken, I have to talk to you in the morning. Um or I'll get a I'll get a ping at midnight. Are, are you are you up? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, sure. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's all good. No, we and, and look, we look and I'll tell you what, it, look, in fairness, the reason the model hasn't changed is because this is where it's supposed to be. Right. No, no, we 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 are this is locked and loaded. The the series Y offering that we have is is perfect. It's been running since November, I think November 2021. And during which time we've raised eight million dollars for that, in addition to the money that Ken and team have managed to raise for the merger. So it's it's amazing that we can we, we have raised that much and still done the merger as well. But anyway, the point is it's still functional, it still works. The the same structure is identical, hasn't changed, which is good. So the only thing that's happened really is here's let me think, the interesting part that's happened since 2021, our operations divisions have taken off. This yeah. is something we did, and you and I in 2020 were facing the fact that there was no motion in the ocean. Like, hello, can you guys grow? And then they freaking took off. You right. know, um, PWT Progressive Water went from uh, 2021. They were at um, four million, and they doubled to eight million, and then. Um, uh, modular water came from a very, very low level up to like 2 million. And now they are on target. So 
Um, even well, though they're hockey stick in it, they're hockey stick in it, both of them. I mean, um, and and look, that's and that's a combination of, of bringing in a, a competent team. Not that the engineers and, and folks that at those companies weren't competent, but having kind of like like you said, a ship's captain. Tom's done a magnificent job with PWT, um, and, and kind of and, and and some of the organizational things that we were able to bring in allowed them to do to be them, right? Allowed them to really do what they do well. Um, the the getting back to the the model comment is um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? This is finally this works. And it universally is understood. I, I have, look, I have the distinct, um, uh, the unique experience of speaking to our actual investors, both prospective and existing on a daily basis. And with the new people that I speak to, they get the model right away. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of them say, oh, so this is like solar, right? Or, oh, so this is like energy, you know? What we used to argue about all the time is if you have to spend 20 minutes explaining it, that's a problem. You know, like if you have to explain the punchline, the joke's not funny. Um, well, if you have to spend 15 minutes describing the model and kind of mid- different iterations of it, um, and we don't have, we haven't had to do that in years. So finally, um, and 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 look, I will say this as well: the public has woken up to the fact that water is a problem. Five years ago, I would talk about water and people were like, you know, what's wrong? With why, you know, why, why do you have to? Do? And now it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you guys are finally addressing this, you know. So there's been a complete cultural and um, mindset shift on this that has made communicating our much grander vision uh, far easier. Now, once once we've described accurately that this is, and you mentioned it in your interview, industrial, agricultural, and commercial. If you fix it where it's being polluted, all of this downstream nonsense, all of the dihydrochloramine, blah, 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 that's in my drinking water may actually be ameliorated, right? Uh, But it's got to get fixed where it's been broken. It's not being broken here. They're simply trying to manage it. If you fix it where it's being broken, there's no management at the bottom. Exactly. We we lay off the problem. Um, Ron Williams asks, uh, Riggs, how can I as an individual promote WOD? Ron Williams is a new investor. Welcome, Ron. Thanks for joining. Ron, it's a great pleasure having you on board. AJ and uh, social media expert Josh Wills are working on a water-on-demand social media and PR strategy. And the more people can amplify it and share and like and all that good stuff, there's going to be a lot of it. I mean, right now, the water-on-demand Facebook is like 140 people, whereas Origin Clear has got 25,000. I'm going to take this opportunity to shameless plug right now. If you guys are on social media and you don't follow us and you're here. Please do. (laughs) Even if you're not a current investor, if you're just interested, please go ahead and follow the channels. We've got some exciting stuff coming up. I mean, we've already had a bunch of exciting stuff happen in the past couple of weeks with the BCA signing. But but to to the credit, uh, you know, to to the credit of PWT and MWS, who are also under the water on demand umbrella, they're doing fantastic things. Um, and we're we're going to be constantly highlighting those things in the in the news and across social, and really helping you guys to to understand better, so that you can communicate to your to your friends, to your relatives, to your coworkers, how how we're actually changing the landscape of water and, and helping to address some of these problems, but also giving them an opportunity to invest in something that's going to be incredibly huge, and do it now. And, right. and to Riggs, so when Riggs was talking about it, how both of those units just went 
they went vertical, right? But it was a tree. See, if there's a tree falling in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. By amplifying the successes that we're experiencing in these individual divisions on social media, now the tree makes a sound, right? Where we start to give these guys with their hard work the, the very, very much deserved um, recognition, but it also is able to communicate the story to people. They start to ask questions. Well, what is all this about? So you folks as an audience, retweet, share posts, um, you know, invite friends to like, right? Um, it, it's not your, um, you don't have, it, it, it's not your MLM thing that they, they'll, 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 that they'll avoid, right? This is, this is real, right? Um, and, and this can help amplify our message at a really critical time for us. Um, we believe that we've achieved critical mass in terms of getting the company where it needed to be or are very close to do that. But having a very wide public support of our mission can only make it easier, can only make it better. Absolutely. Here, for example, is the uh, x.com um, origin clear site. So it's twitter.com slash origin clear. And, you know, it's got these articles. Uh, here's one. You know, these are wonderful shorts that are coming out. Uh, you should be taking a look at those. That was uh, New Newsmax exactly. Mm -hmm. That what I was just talking about today. You would have gotten the the news November seventh, right? So, def and this is what I played today. This thing about the so uh, taking a page out of Solar's book. So, and here's that testimonial that was so powerful. So, AI replacing CEO. So this is this is good stuff, and um, and we're really putting a lot of attention on it. So, do mm -hmm. join us. More, more shameless plugs. If you're on, especially if you're on Twitter, because that's that's kind of where things are popping off right now. Follow Riggs and follow Ken, right? I mean, these these are guys that you you hear it on the podcast. Guys that that have, you know, a vast wealth of knowledge across a number of different topics. And you're going to see more of that come out as we continue to to engage in these conversations. And, and and I invite you to engage in those conversations with us, right? That's that's part of the strategy for us in, in terms of, of really building us up as, as a, you know, a kind of more common brands is having you engage in the conversation with us. Absolutely. Right? You, yeah. you want to know how you can help Dialogue. talk about it with us, yeah. share it with us, right? Yeah. If, if we're have something that's interesting to you, tweet at us, right. Or, or make a Facebook post at us. Right? We're, we are constantly monitoring comments. We're constantly monitoring all these channels because we want more than anything to be able to, to connect with people and to connect with you across wherever it is that you are and meet people where the conversation is and be able to contribute to that in a positive way. So and I would argue, know how you can help. It might seem small, but you know, having that conversation in the, in the virtual sphere is amazing. And I think that part, this uh, combined with what we're doing in social media and in other, other areas, but especially this briefing um, makes us probably the most, the most addressable and accessible and transparent public company Anywhere. I mean, think about having a conversation with the CEO of a public company because you have a question. It just doesn't happen. Right. So this is this is your time uh, to help us make this shine. Now, uh, Sharon, if you have um, if you have questions, you should e email invest at originclear.com. Uh, my support team can figure out where you're at and get your uh, get you in front of the right person to address your questions. Okay, Everett said NPR had a story this evening of Arizona's water issues and the water recycling will be a must. Are we positioned to support that great of a need? All right, here's what we have learned is when municipalities have a problem, that's like a, you know, the Boeing jet just crashed in a field. Yeah. You know, we can't help the Boeing. 
but we can certainly help with some of the collateral issues. In this case, what about the businesses and the farms around there? What about the housing developments, right? So we can help. Our model is one in which people can survive because more and more bad news. Look at the Panama Canal. I never expected the Panama Canal to run out of water. It's built on this model of giant amounts of water coming in from the mountains. That's going away. That's scary. So more and more scary stuff happening. And so increasingly, we have to uh, empower businesses, farms, and housing developments to do their thing. Okay, so that's what we're positioned to do, for example, in Arizona. All right, then um, James Wright. AJ, can you add a question to the Zoom survey and other information areas that we'll ask if you want to be included in the social media links for the company divisions? Very smart. Good, good idea. And, and we idea. are working on updating the Zoom survey. Uh, Kevin, who uh, who works with our team and is fantastic, is uh, kind of piloting some drafts. We'll be having some comments back and forth, and you might see a new Zoom survey as early as next week with some, some new news. So look out for that if you guys are regular viewers. And if this is your first time, this is not a one one and done. Come back every week for, for fantastic new news and updates of what's going on with the organization. And if you can't miss us on here, catch us on YouTube. I'm just this is gonna be one big shameless plug for social. Wait a minute, I'm just wait a keep minute, on doing it. And, and and coming soon. Yeah. Rumble. And coming soon, Rumble. Yeah. If you guys are guys are on Rumble, uh, I'd love to I'd love to hear it because that's certainly a platform we want to explore some more and uh, and get our voices heard out there as well. Again. The, this conversation is it's not political it's it's not segmented it's a it's a universal problem that needs to be addressed sure. and we are we are perfectly poised to be able to help in so many different ways to do that so oh yeah here for example is our youtube channel so there's some really really good uh, graphics that we're starting to use as you can tell and what's great is that we have sh a lot of shorts so if you're if you're a person who does not have good um t attention span like me you can go straight <laughs> So it's um, YouTube slash uh, at Origin Clear, right? Yes. So um, with that, I want to just ask you all to uh, please do fill out the survey. And we will be uh, doing more good stuff with that survey um, and making it more and more functional. But we really do look at all the answers and we appreciate it. And our to answer Anya's question, yes, there's going to be a replay that will be distributed via email. Uh, that'll happen um, tomorrow morning, I believe. Yep. Um, also, it's always the same address, Origin Clear slash Briefing Replay. Right. Uh, the YouTube Origin Clear site always has them. But if you are on the Zoom invitation list, right. you will see the, the Briefing Replay come through. Thank you, Anya. Uh, and Kevin just posted in the chat the link to um, Briefing hyphen Replay. That's why I didn't get it. So, so cop copy that, stick it in your browser, because when we close the Zoom, you won't have it. So here, for example, you can see right here, briefing half and replay. And this is the last week's. So this is last week's. And it'll be flipped over into the, the new one overnight. All right. Again, you don't want to go much past the hour. It's been wonderful having you all. And uh, I am having so much fun with these, these uh, briefings. And let me tell you something. I have so much stuff stacked up to report on. And I have to stop. Like, uh, look at this. China Foreign Investment. They're not investing externally at all. Wow. Crazy, huh? Right. They're 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 influent negative in in Q3 of, of this of, of 2023. So that kind of stuff, I have tons of it, but I just have to stop. So with that, I will stop and I will thank you all for coming. It's been great. Ron, have a great evening. Thank you very much. 
Uh, we appreciate you guys and gals tremendously. Um, again, don't hesitate to contact invest at originclear.com. And we have the um, contact information for Ken, who has some great briefings to give you if you are a current or prospective investor. So do take full advantage of him because he loves being taken advantage of. I'm gonna. I'm leaving that alone. I'm just <laughs> leaving that alone. <laughs> Thank you all. Have a great night, and we'll catch you next week with Tom Marchesella's report. I promise we'll have it done. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody.